Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 11th, 2020, including Bungie had a live event this week loaded with tons of good news for Destiny fans. Xbox is getting a new store and mobile app. 343 seems to be working on new Halo projects and more. It's a great week full of great news about all my favorite kinds of first-person shooters, so let's jump in. You know, the intro wasn't always supposed to be so, uh, I don't know how, how I'd put it, but obnoxious. I don't like the, I'm not crazy about the intro for this podcast, but when I, the first time I ever recorded this show, I, I just said it has to have an intro and I didn't really know what format I wanted to take. So I just wrote something out, refused to revise it because I knew I wouldn't like it no matter what. And I just started recording and that's kind of been the opening little format where I, I discuss what the show is and the little opener about the podcast about one host, one console, whatever. So I also said that that Halo 5 song that it plays at the beginning was like a temporary thing that every week I'd do a different song from an Xbox game or that I would compose my own song for the podcast and I never did anything like that. So we've just been listening to the same Halo 5 intro song that no one except me likes for like 53 weeks now. Deal with it. Um, But welcome to this week's episode of the show. Just a little reminder, of course, this has to be said. Today, the day that this show is going live is Thursday the 11th, which is the same day that Sony will be hosting their um, PlayStation 5 event, where they say they're talking about games, but I suspect we'll we'll see the console or learn at least something about the console uh, at this event. So if this, had, if this event had just been like a day sooner, we would have definitely talked about this event because I think it's really important to kind of you know, talk about the, what PlayStation's up to with their new console generation in re- relation to how that affects, you know, the Xbox ecosystem. But unfortunately, this is happening just hours after the show goes live. So we'll talk about it next week, even though it will be a little bit older news at that point. But it'll still be pretty exciting information. I'm pretty uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sony's got up their sleeves and what they're going to talk about today. So be on the lookout for that if you are interested in what's going on in the realm of the PlayStation 5. But yeah, let's get into our comments, shoutouts, and everything from this week. We got a lot of them this week. It's this, The show's been picking up. People have been talking, and I uh, greatly appreciate everyone reaching out. It, it actually blows my mind, but I, I sound like a broken record saying that at this point. So we'll jump into your comments. Our first one comes from JT Cole USA, first-time commenter, who says, Found you on Spotify. Subscribed. Love the content. Look forward to more and more. I'll support you the best I can, bro. Thank you so much, JT Cole. I uh I really appreciate your, uh, your support, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you on board here on the uh, the Xbox On uh, cult. We are a cult of Xbox fans who have one specific mindset that believes Halo 5 is the best Halo multiplayer and that uh, the Xbox One is the is the not only the superior place to play video games, but it's a superior way to raise your children. I recommend you use the Xbox One as a... And as a substitute for a parental figure, if you find yourself with a child, a young child in your possession, and you need a way to teach that kid the ways of the world and right from wrong and, and how to be how to be a human, how to function in our society, I recommend you give them an Xbox One. I recommend you let them play games like Dark Souls so they can learn tough lessons that 
you know, life isn't easy and you have to work for the things you want. I recommend you give them access to Netflix so they can realize that uh, everyone in California who makes um, uh, TV is a fucking idiot because Netflix shows are awful. And I recommend you give them an Xbox so they can uh, play Minecraft and and bend their brains in new ways and learn how to craft and and, uh, create a community where... Anyway, so next comment here is from David who says, First, fucking idiot. This guy thinks that this is the first episode, but... (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't realize that he commented on episode 52, so he should have said 50, 50, 52 or 52nd. Our next comment is from Omarketer Gaming, who comes back and in regards to my in regards to my opening from last week uh, about you know the events taking place right now in the United States and in the world in general, but predominantly in the U.S. about you know the protesting and everything going on in the with the Black Lives Matter movement. He says, "I was scared that there was going to be backlash in the comments after you mentioned Black Lives Matter in the last podcast. Good to know at least your audience is progressive enough to avoid the use of illogical spewing and racism." Lol. IDK, if you talked about Outer Worlds ever, but it's on Xbox Game Pass now, and I want to know if it's worth a playthrough. To be honest, uh, I, I actually also worry that well, I was that my show was going to be met with some negative criticism last week. I figured that people were going to bitch that I talked too long about um, the events going on in the real world for too long and didn't jump into the podcast soon enough or talk about video games enough. I assumed that people were going to get mad at me for talking about quote-unquote political matters, even though this really isn't a political matter. In my opinion, it's just kind of, it's just kind of common sense. It's something that's happening in the world. You can't really ignore it um you know people just always look for excuses or so it seems on the internet to get mad about everything but you know what Uh, i think maybe i maybe i underestimated uh the listenership of this podcast i don't really follow my statistics as close as i should so who knows maybe maybe i lost listeners or something as a result of my words from last week but i was also pleasantly surprised that no one came back with any uh any kind of controversy over any any of that discussion so that was that was a pleasant surprise i think i think most people are good people who are in support of the protests happening right now and who are pretty sensitive to to what's going on right now and it's uh unfortunately a lot of the the negative voices and a lot of the you know the bad eggs are the ones getting highlighted and that's just the uh that's just the result of the internet but that's that's what's nice about xbox on is it's still a very small thing it's it's still one of those things where i think anyone who's here is here because they want they want to be you know this isn't one of those things i haven't i haven't established a name enough of a name for myself for people to start following me because they hate me that's how you know when you made it right is when like you have that guy who who shit comments on everything you say because it's their job to like make sure you're miserable that's what I need. I, I, see, I know I'm not successful in this podcast because everyone who comments here says nice things or constructive things or just engages in the content. That's how I know I'm fake and that this whole show is me is meaningless because Xbox On isn't an official successful podcast until there's someone who wants to combat every opinion I have and tell me why my opinions are wrong and tell me why I'm a piece of shit and follow me on Twitter and threaten, you know, my loved ones. That's when, that's when you can really kick back and say, look, mom, I'm a famous podcaster. So we're working towards it. But as long as you guys keep being nice to me, I'll know this, this show is a complete sham. So, but thank you for your comment, a marketer as, as for outer worlds, which I've neglected to address up until this point. Remember that was actually, so obsidian made outer worlds 
and it was it launched into Xbox Game Pass. So yes, even though it's not published by Microsoft because it, the publishing uh, deals with were already in place before the game even came out, um, the game did launch into Game Pass and was kind of like unofficially the first like Obsidian game as an Xbox Game Studio studio. I know that's not really true because the game is on its way to Switch right now and it came out on a PS4 back when it came out on Xbox One, but the game's been on Game Pass for as long as it's been out. Um, and yeah, I played it when it first came out. Uh, it's a, I think it's a really great game. I'll, I'll be honest, Outer Worlds, and I'm not, I'm not big on those uh, Fallout, Oblivion-type games. Those aren't usually the games I go for, but I've I've always tried to give them a chance and tried to get into them, and uh, especially, you know, every Fallout game that comes out, I always give it a try, get to a certain extent and give up, and then Skyrim, that kind of medieval Dungeons and Dragons nerd shit, I'm, I don't even really care about it, but Outer Worlds, I really made an effort, I was like, I'm gonna play this one, I'm gonna appreciate it, and I gotta be honest, as, if you're gonna look at it through the lens of like an open world western RPG in the vein of like a Bethesda game, um, I really liked it, it was the most I've ever enjoyed a game like that, but just in general, I don't like it wasn't like, you know, it's not so much my cup of tea that I'm going to uh, sing its praises from the rooftops. But if you enjoy a game like Fallout New Vegas or Fallout 3 or, or anything like that, then you have I think Outer Worlds is a no brainer. It's really nice because it's not too long. You can p complete the main quest in like 10, 12 hours if you don't want to get too bogged down in the side content. Although I know that's kind of like, quote unquote, playing it wrong because it's one of those games that invites you to explore and get lost and in and explore the the like the beaten path you know the the untreaded path so i, I don't know it, it offers a lot of variety there's a lot of player choice uh the the writing's really good the dialogue can be really funny and the world's really fun and interesting so i i enjoyed you know my 15 17 hours i had with the game but it's it's a i enjoyed it about as much as i would enjoy you know as i could enjoy any game in that kind of specific genre but yeah i think i think fans of that genre in particular will greatly love it uh, if you haven't played it, I definitely recommend it. It's on Game Pass, so there's no reason not to. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth a uh, a playthrough if you're looking for like a meaty summer game to get through. Um, and if and it's it's just really flexible, which is nice that you can you can have it be that game you fall into for a month or two if you want it to be. But you can also have it be a, a weekend game if you just kind of want to see what the world's like and, and get a taste for one of these games. So definitely recommend it if that's something that interests you. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that to attention to everyone. Uh, you know, if anyone doesn't, if anyone hasn't played Outer Worlds, definitely a game I give a thumbs up to. I, I assume it's one of those games that there are a lot more people out there who enjoy it more than I do, and there are a lot more people out there who would enjoy it in general than than not enjoy it. It is a overall pretty favorable game. A big old thumbs up if you have thumbs, which I don't because I am I am an amphibian. Uh, our next comment comes from Sarugi1, who says, Absolutely loving the fact that Xbox is looking after all the previous generations with the Series X and things like HDR and FPS upgrades. Knowing I can play everything on one console is the reason is reason enough for me to buy a Series X on one day. Couldn't agree more, Sarugi1. I remember in 2015 when when the Xbox One was all like, Hey, backwards compatibility, boom. And it was, you know, it was, a, it was the first, like, I think that was the first thing the Xbox One did that really started turning this ship around that was like phil spencer's first initiative that's like oh shit things are going to change with xbox it's not what it was in 2013 this isn't the don, the don matrix uh, error anymore things are absolutely changing for the better and there were a lot of naysayers saying like you know yeah of course backwards compatibility is nice but who really 
plays, you know, get, like old games. And I understand that where that sentiment was and where that mentality was. Because if you think about it, like, like people require, you know, people love the Nintendo DS because when it came out, you could put Game Boy Advance games in it. And that's so important. And people love that you can play GameCube games on the Nintendo Wii. And, and we think about it like in those kinds of contexts and we think about like, like old backwards compatibility on older generations of hardware. And yeah, it, there is kind of like a sentiment of like, Oh yeah, but do you really need a console that plays the old games? You know, if you didn't play those games last generation, there's a reason why you didn't, and you can just play this generation's games and move on, and you know it's not the end of the world. But we don't really live in that era anymore, and I think Microsoft deserves a lot of props for kind of seeing this before it, before it kind of came to light, and I think we're seeing it come to light as we approach the end of this generation, where having access to previous generations of content is really important, not just for those who want to preserve history and want to have access to a larger library of games, but for those who, but it, because we, we now live in the war, the era of, you know, a game doesn't die just because the generation's over and a game doesn't die just because you rolled the credits and a game doesn't die just because you get to the highest level online, and you prestige and you and your friends are like kind of bored of it now. Like games really live on beyond their traditional life expectancy. And we see that with the games as a service types games today. You know, you're, you're like, we see that with Minecraft, which is, you know, been a, which will have been on three generations of Xbox by the time the series X comes out, you know, and it's, it's, it's the world we live in in games now. And I think it's something that the PC market has always, of course, been mindful of. You've always been able to just play PC games. You know, if you have a up-to-date PC, you can play anything from the newest game to the oldest game, right? Because that's how PC stuff works. And I think it's really important that consoles kind of adopt that mentality, especially as we move into a time in history where games are more fluid and the way we, you know, we play games, it doesn't matter so much what generation or what piece of hardware it was locked behind. It matters so much, you know, like, are you in the mood to play it? Is it accessible? Do you have access to it? You know, and and I think Microsoft's really spearheading that movement in the console space and props to them that they're not only making it to where these games are accessible to us, but they're also making it to where they're better on newer hardware than they were before, which is also a very PC centric thing, right? Because you can play a game from 10 years ago on, on a modern PC and you can make it, you know, and if you have the power on your PC, which, you know, any, any modern PC can run an old game at pretty high, high specs, you can make the game, you know, run faster, look prettier and do all this shit and make an old game, you know, suddenly new again. And I think it's really awesome that Microsoft is trying to apply that that uh, philosophy to the console space and really kind of innovative, not only innovative, but just kind of kind of wise of them to do that. And, and I think that is something that's going to keep a lot of, you know, even in a world where PlayStation is such a enticing platform because of its amazing first party games. This is something that's always going to keep Microsoft and Xbox looking so fresh and exciting because... On Xbox, you just have access to everything you've ever bought, everything you've ever played, every generation of Xbox, and it's just so nice to know that as you make, as you move onwards, everything behind is still there with you. And I, uh, and I think that's something that's really going to resonate with audiences going forward. So, totally agree. It's a really exciting thing. Also, my brother kind of chimes in with that too because he says. I really hope Microsoft keeps making more backwards compatible games. They've done this. They've done a great job with this, but they stopped adding games a while back. I have a handful of games I still can't play on my Xbox, but I, so I had to hold on to my old 360 because of it. So honestly, I, speaking to that, I don't think Microsoft's given up on this at all. I, I also, I think we all kind of uh, have noticed and recognized that Microsoft slowed down substantially on backwards compatible games for Xbox One, and I think that has. Literally everything to do with Series X, I think they're just 
really ramping up to support the Series X, so that's their main focus now, and that when the Series X comes out, we're going to see a whole new push for backwards-compatible titles, and right now we're just kind of in this holding pattern of getting the new hardware ready, getting the new software ready, launching it, getting every the ecosystem kind of acclim- you know, getting the install base there and, and getting people acclimated with the new era of Xbox and then kind of continue on the backwards compatibility trend from there. So I think that's the situation right now. Um, I, as soon as this this console launches this fall, I think we'll start seeing the backwards compatibility resume. Um, but yeah, I understand it's a little disappointing because we were, we were getting more games at a more regular rate and now it's kind of come to a standstill, but all uh, patience. There's only so many people at, at team Xbox and, uh, there's so much going on as we will get into in the news. Xbox just always has a bunch of new projects in the work. And, uh, there's just, uh, there's only so much time and so much manpower. So we got We got to be patient. We got to be, you just got to go play Gex one more time because we're still waiting for uh, backwards compatibility. I don't even know what that means. Gex isn't even on Xbox. It's a PlayStation 1 game. All right. Then Dead Captain James, our OG commenter, comes in. He says, well spoken. It's nice that the backwards compatibility team is making such a great investment in bringing games forward. Backwards compatibility is one of the best things about PC. And I should have read this comment uh, before I got into my little thing after after reading Sarugi's comment. Um, but I think this kind of plays into what I was saying about, again, the PC space, how it's one of those things that PC gamers have been enjoying forever. It's one of those things about PC that just makes it such a no-brainer platform for some people where there's just so much common sense and and consumer pro-consumer, you know, features and it just it really doesn't make sense when you look at the console space and say if this is a platform that is made for gamers and it is a thing that is like specifically these are boxes designed specifically for gaming, why do they have so many limitations that a computer doesn't have when a computer is a device that's yeah, for gaming, but it's also for, I don't know, like writing a essay on the Trail of Tears and jerking off on Pornhub and, and uh, building an Excel sheet about the amount of, of, of cars driving off cliffs in, in New Zealand. There's the myriad of things that a computer, that a, a personal computer allows you to do. You know, gaming is just one of those many things, and it's the platform that does it the best. Uh, in terms of like features and performance and options for consumers. So it seems a little backwards that a, a home console, a machine made for one sole purpose, which is playing video games, doesn't have the same compatibility and consumer friendly features. It just, it, it's a no brainer to bring this stuff to the console space. And yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking about it, but th- thank you for all you guys who commented on that subject. And then our final comments here come from Mr. Chunky Brother. He says, first-time commenter, welcome to the show. He says, hey, bud, first-time commenter, obviously, long-time listener from Tasmania, Australia. Uh, welcome all the way from Australia. It's really, really exciting to have people, international listeners, and I know there's a handful of you. Uh, firstly, top work creating an enjoyable podcast. I only, listen, I only listen to three or four different podcasts, and yours is one of the regulars. I've noted a few times during longer episodes that you apologize for going over the hour mark. I'm sure I'm not alone when I say we are listening to you, whether it's one or three hours long. We're still listening. Lol. I get a very mild touch of depression when I've caught up on all your episodes. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'll always be lurking in the shadows. Chunky brother, I, I, I sent you a reply, or at least I think I did, but I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for that comment. That that comment actually means a lot to me, and I don't I don't mean that to, like, uh, you know, to, like, insult anyone else who's ever said nice words to me. I appreciate all these comments. They mean the world to me, but this one really resonates with me uh, because I, I have a very similar feeling with my the podcast I listen to. I'm subscribed to, like, 20, 30 podcasts, but I only listen to about 
maybe four or five of them on a regular basis. Like this podcast goes live on this day at this time. I know that the second it goes live, I jump on it and I get super excited about it and I listen to it all the way through to the very end and I get sad when it's over because I wish it were longer. So it's uh, it's really, I don't know, it's really humbling and, and kind of mind-blowing to me that anyone could feel that way about my podcast when I know I feel that way about podcasts I really appreciate and admire. Uh, and I just don't see myself as, as one of those podcasters and I don't see the show as a show of that caliber. So uh, I guess the, uh, the quality and the enjoyment is in the eye of the beholder. So the fact that you get that kind of entertainment and value out of the show really means the world to me. Um, it's just, it's mind blowing to me because honestly, I don't even do this show. This is a, is a robot. This is a robot program to sound like me that has all the information on Xbox. And I just, uh, I just uh, hit the play button. It does all the work and I get the credit. So I greatly appreciate your support, especially all the way from Australia. I see Sarugi comes back in here and in response to Chunky Brother, he says props to being another lurker, lurker from Aussie, even if you are a Tasmanian. So a little, a little, I guess, uh, rivalry between uh, the different factions of the Australian race. <laughs> No, it's so it's it's cool to see. I have some Australian listeners. I know uh, our next commenter here, Mr. Limber Bond, who who comments, for, I believe, for the second time, says, uh, "What is your favorite gaming franchise?" All the way from the UK. It's crazy to me that I have international listeners. I know Xbox is a huge brand in the UK and in Australia, so uh, you know, I guess it's naturally no surprise that that this show attracts listeners from Xbox's popular territories, which are in North America, uh, Europe and Australia. But I'm so excited to have uh, my international listeners aboard. It's, it's really awesome that, you know, the internet and the internet can connect us together and that our shared love of Xbox can bring people from all over the world together and, and to share this commonality. So I'm really excited to have you guys listening to this show and uh, appreciate your feedback and your comments. So Limber Bond, to get to his last question, he says, what is your favorite gaming franchise? This is a really difficult conversation, but also really, or, this is a really difficult question, um, but a very fun one to answer because it's one where I get to talk all about me and who doesn't love talking about themselves. So, you know, I thought about this one for a second when I saw your comment, Mr. Bond, favorite gaming franchise. This is, this is actually a hard one. Cause I'm not one of those people that just has a definitive like list of like, these are my top favorite 20 games of all time that have touched me the most and everything. I have like a rough list. I do have a number one favorite game. Um, but my list is very like fluid and wobbly. Like it, it, it can change at any moment. It's not, it's not as concrete as it was when I was a kid. I can tell you when I was a kid, it was something to the effect of like Pokemon blue, Mario 64, uh, Spider-Man on PlayStation, uh, Ratchet and Clank and Halo or something like that. But these days, I, uh, I still have the gaming taste of a, of a seven-year-old. Uh, I'd say my favorite gaming franchise of all time, actually, it may come as a surprise because all I ever talk about is Halo, but it's kind of, it's not Halo. It is Halo, but it isn't Halo. Um, I think as a franchise, as like a universe, as like a, like a lore, a thing to fall into and appreciate, it's absolutely Halo. I think the Halo story is greatly underappreciated. I think that that franchise offers incredible lore. I think the characters are super compelling and that even, even three, four, three hasn't really fully explored uh, the depth of those characters and the kinds of amazing storytelling that can be had in that game, which is obviously, you know, something that's so exciting about future halo video games is that we get to explore it further. I, I love the master chief as a character. I love Cortana. I love the three, four, three era of uh, halo where they really explore the kind of humanity of, of chief versus like, you know, the man versus machine kind of uh, theme that they've been exploring. And I really love all that. Halo is 
the best franchise to me in terms of like just overall package. I love the art. I love the music. I love the visuals. I love the story. I love the characters. I love the gameplay. Halo is something that, you know, I've grown up with and will always have just the most special place in my heart because it's something that I love more today as a 25 year old than I did, you know, when I first played it as a kid. Um, so it's, uh, it, Halo is probably the easy answer, um, but also not definitively the answer because I think the, my, my most, like my number one favorite video game, not franchise, but just specific video game of all time is actually kind of a, might, might throw some of you off super Mario galaxy for the Nintendo Wii. The first one, 2007's super Mario galaxy. That is easily my favorite video game of all time. Actually still this day. Like I, and I know that one definitively that game I think is the absolute definitive definitive like example of like a a masterpiece when it comes to gameplay there's not a single second of that game that isn't like absolutely perfect when it comes to the gameplay it's so incredible it's such a phenomenal game that is uh that's whenever I think about a game where it's like I played it for the first time and had one of those like oh fuck I'm not gonna be able to put this thing down kind of moments um that that's the game that comes to mind because I really couldn't stop the second I, I touched that game I, I went into a GameStop the day it came out and I played it at a demo kiosk because I, I wanted to try it so bad and then I immediately fell in love with it so much that I had my dad uh, take me home and bring me back to GameStop the next day so that I could sell all my shit that I still loved at GameStop just to make enough money to buy it because I I just couldn't imagine a world where I couldn't play that game like crazy. And I've beaten that game so many times. I've 100%ed it. It is such a phenomenal game. Mario Galaxy, incredible art style. Um, Definitely the best art style from any Mario game. The, The game mechanics are so unique. It's really the perfect example of like just introducing a new and meaningful mechanic and really twisting it on its head a million ways. Um, it's just so Mario, but in such a modern context, the game holds up so well and it has a beautiful, beautiful score. Some of the best music in any game I've ever played. Really, really love Mario Galaxy. And overall, I, I used to always say the Mario franchise was my favorite franchise, the 3D Mario games in, in particular. I know most people say 2D. I love 2D Mario games, absolutely. Um, but I definitely prefer the 3D ones just a bit more. The Galaxy game, 64, Sunshine. Odyssey, I think, is a fantastic game, but I think it's mildly overrated. I think galaxy is definitely way better than odyssey um but these days it's just i mean i talk about it all the time i make snide remarks at nintendo i don't love nintendo the way i used to when i was younger and i've had such a falling out with them in in the recent like three or four years or it started around the time the switch came out and uh i'm actually really sad when i think about kind of my my falling out of love with nintendo um but you know, it's it's. I've always loved Nintendo when I was a little kid, and then Xbox, and then Xbox and Nintendo together. And now, the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten away from Nintendo and closer with Xbox. And you know, there's room for every, there's there's room to love everything. But uh, I'm definitely a lot happier as an adult embracing the Xbox brand more than the Nintendo brand because I just think Xbox is a brand uh, as at my age that I can get behind more with its games it's its community it's what it offers it's it's just a lot more enticing to me so um, Mar- Mario will always hold a very special place in my heart and the Nintendo Wii will in general I I like that console more than than anyone has any right to like that console but um yeah Super Mario Galaxy favorite game Halo favorite franchise honorable mention Sonic the Hedgehog. I know everyone hates Sonic. I don't care. I will never be ashamed to admit I love Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that franchise has been so poorly managed by Sega. There are so many bad Sonic games, and I still love every single one of them anyway. I think Sonic Unleashed is one of the greatest games of all time. 
Um, it is has phenomenal music, phenomenal art style, phenomenal daytime gameplay. The Werehog is pretty good, despite the fact that everyone hates it. Um, it's a f- it's a really really great game. Sonic is an amazing franchise, and one thing you can say about Sonic, I don't care if anyone hates Sonic, you cannot deny Sonic games have the best soundtracks of any game any gaming franchise in the world. You cannot you cannot listen to the music, uh, the varied music of the of the Sonic video games, and tell me it's not the best music you've ever heard in gaming because it, it just is. It's not even up for debate. Um, so you know Sonic might not always be a good game or good story or have good characters, but It'll always be good music, so I guess maybe Sonic is my fa- maybe Sonic is my favorite art music artist, and Halo is my favorite video game franchise. So there's my long-winded explanation of what I like in video games. And now, if you want to actually talk about what's happening in the world of Xbox gaming and Xbox news, and not how I used to love Nintendo when I was 12 years old, um, we will now jump into uh, our news. But I can't tell you about the news just yet because I got to tell you about what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. And uh, so this is going to be something that's pretty specific to people who live in the Southeast United States. So apologies to everyone else, but in the Southeast United States, particularly in the state of Florida, we have this grocery store chain called Publix. Uh, They're from, they're from central Florida, uh, but they're all over the Southeast. I, it was my, my first job when I when I was a youngin was a bag boy and then a cashier at at Publix. It's uh, always holds a special place in my heart. But that's not relevant. What's relevant is that Publix has uh, an unusually amazing bakery and deli for a chain grocery store in the U.S. Like you know, you think about like your WalMarts or your Kroger's or any of those kinds of stores, and they're not particularly great when it comes to like their bakeries or their or their delis. Uh, but Publix is uh, is is really really good and. Their subs are phenomenal, and anyone who's ever heard of Publix or been to a Publix knows Publix subs are unparalleled. They're they're amazing. If you if you have if you know what Publix is and you've ever been inside a Publix or had a Publix sub, then you know that if you ever retroact, you know if you ever go to a Subway or anything of the sort after having had a Publix sub, um, then the devil uh, comes from a hole. Uh, deep in the in, in the earth and and sentences you to a life in misery and burning eternity because uh, literally Subway is the most disgusting shit in the world and public subs are so good that they will actually make you uh, find your nearest Subway location and burn it to the ground and uh, that's a that is a fact so I've been eating public subs this week they're they're amazing. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, as a side note, speaking of Publix, went to the grocery store today. You know, on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights, I record the show. It's always a little bit stressful because on Tuesdays, I do all the writing for the podcast. I get all the news together. I write the script. I try to I try to space it out and, and figure out kind of, you know, the topics and uh, the format of the show, so to speak. Um, but then on Wednesdays, I, I work all day and then I come home from work and I just know there's a bunch of stories that happen on Wednesday. It's always like that. I get like half the news on Tuesday. I feel good about the show. And then Wednesday, I come home from work ready to record the show. And bam, there's like five stories that happened while I was at work that I had to sit down, read about, write about, cover and get into the show notes. So it's always a little bit stressful. I had to do that. I had to take a shower, I had to eat dinner, then I had to record, then I had to edit. Then it's, it's all like a very, uh, long one night process for the most part, a little behind the scenes of the show. Uh, and it's kind of annoying. So, uh, today I came home and I was like, Oh, there's a, I have a bunch of stuff I have to do for the podcast. And I I told my girlfriend, you know, I don't really have time, uh, to go get dinner or to make anything. And she's like, you know what? I'll go to the store. I'll go to Publix. I'll pick up a frozen pizza. We'll do that tonight. I'm like, great. 
that's perfect. Thank you. She goes to the store, and this is why I don't, man, I mean, this is why you don't send a normal person out to the store to buy food, because she goes to the store to buy a frozen pizza, and she buys one frozen pizza, as if I'm, as if I'm some fucking vegan who's trying to, like, save the planet. She buys one frozen pizza for the two of us to share, as if, like, I'm, I'm expected to eat half a frozen pizza and, like, not be hungry. So like, I understand she's a rational human being who's not trying to die at 32 from, from a heart attack. But like, I, I, I eat this like half a frozen pizza. I'm like, this is, this is not a meal. This is not substantial. You know, two, three frozen pizzas. You always buy in excess. You know, you have to, because chances are you got to eat at least a whole pizza by yourself. And then you're going to want a backup one because you're going to feel bad if you eat the whole pizza and then there's no pizza left. You want to have the security and the comfort of knowing there's always another pizza in the freezer. So a little alarming to me that my girlfriend is trying to quite literally starve us to death and, and murder us um, by by buying such a little quantity of food. But yeah, that's just a, a little fable for all of you guys. If you uh, ever send... If you ever send a loved one out to the store to pick up a frozen pizza, make sure they get a minimum of two or three because shit's not funny. You can you can die from only eating half a pizza for dinner. So now that now that we're done with that, I guess we'll talk about what I've been playing. And this week, I, I know I said I started Alan Wake and I was excited to get to Alan Wake, but then this I got bitten by the bug. There's this uh there's this weird thing that happens to me once a year. It's like uncanny. It's um every year around sometime in the summer or early fall. There's just this thing, like this thing that snaps in my brain. It's like this, um, I don't know, it just tells me. It's like, hey, remember Destiny 2? It's loaded on your Xbox. It's that game you you haven't played in a while. It's time to become obsessed with that game for no good reason for the next few weeks. And so right now I'm in my annual, holy shit, I can't get enough Destiny. It's like this uh, violent urge to play Destiny like crazy. So last time I played Destiny, it was like right after Forsaken had come out. So I guess it was like late 2018. And I had downloaded it and only gotten like halfway through the campaign. Um, so I went back. I finished up the Forsaken campaign. I restarted it actually. Played through the whole thing. Downloaded the um, the most current expansion, which is uh, Shadowkeep, and started playing through that. I'm at the end of that one's campaign now. Um, just started kind of relearning all the things that had changed and happened in the Destiny universe in the year or so since I've been gone. And uh, I'm really falling down the rabbit hole this week on Destiny. It's a it's it's a really weird game. Destiny's like that thing where it's like I'll always have a super big appreciation and love for it because it is a bungee game and it feels like a bungee game. And it's also very much its own unique thing. But anytime I play Destiny, there's also this other part of me nagging in my head that's like, you're cheating on Halo. I feel like Halo is like my wife, my lifelong partner, and like I'm having an affair with Halo whenever I play Destiny. So it's always a weird thing of like, Destiny feels so good and I just want to keep playing it. But I also know, you know, Homegirl is waiting for me, Dest- or Halo, you know, and, and, and she's sitting there and she's got Master Chief and she's got that Magnum I like so much and she's got that... She's got that, you know, that assault rifle that I've that I've, I've been shooting since I was eight, and it's just it feels wrong. But at the same time, Destiny is such a good game. It, it's 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 such a weird game because Destiny's not a good game, but it's a great game, you know. And anyone who likes Destiny knows what I mean. It's like the, Bungie is constantly dropping the ball with, with Destiny, and they're constantly like disappointing people with it. But it's also so fun. And when they get it right, it's so exciting. And we'll talk about that in the news because a lot of Destiny stuff happened this week, but. It's an exciting time to be a Destiny player, so I'm I'm all in on that. I said fuck you, Alan Wake. I've been uh, playing that feverishly, and as soon as this uh, this episode's up, and uh, you know you know, and I have free time again, I'm going straight back to Destiny. I cannot wait. 
to play more. But that's what I've been playing pretty much exclusively this whole week. And now we will jump into the new segment. So insert notification pop sound bumper. All right, before we get into our first like bigger story, I want to I want to tell you speaking of Halo and Destiny. Earlier today, 343 released a video on the Halo channel on the Halo YouTube channel announcing that Halo 3 ODST's firefight mode is coming to Xbox or, or sorry, is coming to the Halo Master Chief Collection later this summer. This is a huge deal. I'm super excited about this because you know, I mean, obviously the Master Chief Collection came out as just the first four Halo games, and then they are like, ah, here's here's ODST, and it's like, oh, really? Are we gonna get Reach? And like, yeah, here's Reach. And I always said to myself, I'm like, yeah, but they'll never bring Firefight to it. They'll never bring like true Firefight because I love Halo Five Firefight. I've played a bunch of it. The Halo Five Warzone Firefight, it's great. It's fun. It's not classic Firefight. It's a different thing. But I, gr- I greatly appreciate it, you know. Halo Reach, it's firefight mode. That's my least favorite firefight. Like, if I had to rank them, it's like number one is ODST. Number two is Halo 5. Number three is Reach's. Reach's firefight was pretty disappointing. But Halo 3's firefight mode, oh my god, there's nothing like it. It is, it is such a classic. It's so, so much fun. And I'm extremely excited that it's coming to uh, Master Chief Collection. Make make no bones about it. This will be this will be my shit once it comes out. Um, so it should be coming to both PC and console, of course. Um, but yeah, they just said later this summer. So if you're like me and you had way too much fun in 2009 and 2010, uh, staying up super late with your friends playing uh, Halo 3 ODST's firefight mode uh, into the later latest hours of the night, then. This is going to be such a fun and nostalgic uh, moment to re re experience the wonder of what I think is one of the best horde modes of all time. Honestly, um, I don't know my favorite horde modes of all time probably the ODST firefight and the original Call of Duty World at War's like first iteration of Nazi Zombies. That that game's Nazi Zombies were fucking amazing. But yeah, probably the best two examples of a horde mode. I know people really love the Gears of War horde mode as well. I don't have as much experience with that, so I can't speak to it. But super, super excited about Firefight coming back to ODST on Master Chief Collection. That is uh, honestly the pretty the most exciting news all week for me. Even more so exciting than this really exciting Destiny news that we got. So with that said, we'll jump into our first big story of the week, and it is that Bungie held their massive Destiny live stream event just the other day, where they announced everything from. This year's new expansion to new expansions coming in the coming years to the announcement that they're really like doubling down Destiny 2 so there won't be a third entry in the game or or at least not for the foreseeable future as well as just tons of other smaller bits of information so buckle in. I thought the live event was actually really good. It's probably the best. I haven't watched every Destiny live event ever. I've seen the one when they announced Taken King, when they announced uh, Destiny 2, and when they announced um, Forsaken. So I've seen a couple of them, but this is by far the most exciting event I've ever seen from Destiny, which is weird, right? Because they obviously weren't able to go all out due to COVID and everything and the kind of new nature of how the team was working from home and everything. But I, I think they put on a really, really good show. It's uh, it was just it was just really awesome. All the excitement you could tell they had and, and all the news they had to share. Um, so the, the, the stream, I, I want to mention this first because I think it was really touching. I know last week I talked about how sometimes it can kind of come off a little bit like, you know, pandering or like uh like people just kind of businesses and companies and entities kind of like just jumping on board and trying to make you think they're part of the conversation for, for, you know, not altruistic reasons, but for selfish personal reasons, you know, when it comes to like speaking out, um, in regards to, you know, um, 
George Floyd and, and the protests and everything and, and speaking up and, and sharing their thoughts in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, I know we talked about that last week, but I'm going to sound a little hypocritical because Bungie started their stream. Um, they, they did like the countdown to the stream and then the stream started and it faked out and it was like, okay, it's going to start, it's going to start. And then it stopped and it showed like a destiny, like countdown screen, like something that looks like from the game. And it just did an eight minute and 46 second countdown uh, of silence in, in regards, you know, in, in respect and, in, um, to, you know, George Floyd and, and just kind of a, a shout out to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on right now. And I thought that was, I don't know, there was just something about the way they did it. It just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a sucker and I'm just falling for it, but it felt so, it felt so genuine and it felt so sincere. And I really appreciate it on so many levels because one, it just seemed like, you know, it was, it, they're not afraid to like piss potentially piss off their audience because they just went ahead and they, they like tease like, okay, the event's starting, the event's starting. Ah, not really eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence. We're just going to do this countdown. And it was like, I don't know. I thought it was really cool to see that. They were like, Hey, we're, we're willing to piss you off, you know, to all those people who are like, Oh, come on, just show the event already. We're willing to say, Hey, it's not as important as this. We're going to, we're going to show respect. We're going to make a statement. And it was a powerful statement saying, because obviously right now your anticipation is max. You know, you're waiting for this event to happen. You're waiting to learn new news, but we just got to sit here for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Does it feel like an eternity to you? Good. Because that's how long, you know, this man was being like choked to death, you know, suffocated. So it's, it was, it felt really poignant and it felt really sincere. And it just felt like, in my opinion, the best way that a corporate entity or company could have made a statement about this, you know, more so than a generic tweet or changing your picture to just being a black profile picture, just a blank black profile picture. All that stuff rings a little hollow to me, but this felt like super well thought out and really cared for and genuine. And maybe that's only like further strengthened by the fact that like, you know, Destiny C or Bungie CEO, I forget his last name, Pete something. It's like Pete Pearson or something. Um, but he, he was like he was like tweeting all week about how he was outside in the protests, you know, marching in the streets. And so like he I don't know, he just between him and, and this move, it just felt like he and the team at Bungie were were really focused on sharing an authentic kind of uh, uh, using their platform to be very authentic and to, and to show an honest and, and, and caring statement about, you know, what's going on. And so I just had them, I just had to mention that because that was the one example of like a company or a corporate entity or something where they made a statement about the black lives matter movement or the protests and it felt genuine and I re it really resonated with me. So I just got to shout that out. Cause I thought that was really awesome. Actually, the way they did that was expertly handled. Um, but then after that, they jumped into what I think is the best destiny live stream event we've ever seen tons and tons of great news. So they earlier in the week, you know, they rounded out the last season that just ended at destiny with the almighty with this live event where Rasputin shot down the almighty, which is basically like, you know, it's like a big God like figure shooting down the death star in star Wars, you know, for context, for those who need it. Uh, and it was like a live event where it happened in real time. And it was so cool that they did that. It was just, it was to me that was just like such an interesting uh, little look into like kind of some future things we can do, like the the ways we can change the world of gaming, the ways we can innovate and try new and unique things that like this this actual thing can happen in a video game that's going to impact the game forever more. And it's just like a blip in history. It's like this thing where you had to be logged in at this certain place at this certain time, and only people who were there will ever really know what it was like. And it's just. I don't know. I think that's such a cool way to do storytelling and to do world building in a, in a game that's alive and breathing. And I just really thought that was an awesome event, but that's kind of how they rounded out the series. 
and then that kind of sets things up for the new series or, or the new season rather um, that begins actually just this week. And then they use that as kind of a jumping point to talk about where the story's headed and all that stuff. And they announced the new uh, DLC expansion for this year, which is called Destiny 2 Beyond Light, uh, which will come with, of course, new story content, a new raid, which will actually be free to everyone. You don't have to buy the expansion to get that. Uh, but they're also going to come bring the Cosmodrome back from Destiny 1 as a new exploration uh, as an explorable destination um, so that will be coming back to destiny they've they're going to bring back um, strikes from the first game um, they're bringing back volt of glass which is the original destiny raid from the first destiny game and they announced that they're also going to be cycling in and out content talking about like how they they need to keep the file size of destiny down because it's a it's a big game that takes up a lot of storage and that players aren't always playing certain content so they'll start doing like a disney vault style thing well where they'll take away content and then cycle in new stuff and then after a year or so they'll replace the the new stuff with old stuff and just kind of cycle in content so there's always something new and refreshing and that all the content gets a chance to be appreciated and used and enjoyed while also keeping the file size of the game down so they announced a lot of information about all this stuff so it looks like lo- tons of new stuff is coming to destiny with this new expansion uh, as well as um a lot of you know old stuff kind of getting a chance to get a second life by coming into Destiny 2, kind of merging together Destiny 1 and 2. Uh, they also announced the next few years' worth of expansions. They said 2021's expansion is the Witch Queen, and 2022 will be getting the Lightfall expansion. So basically road mapping to show, hey, we're not making a Destiny 3 right now. We're really doubling down on making Destiny 2 the best experience it can be. And my takeaway from all this really was that this is Bungie saying, like, hey, we're not tied down to Activision anymore. We can do our own thing. We have our own money, our own funding. Uh, we, we're not contractually obligated to put out you know, another entry in the game. We can just make this one game as good as it can be, which I'm really a big fan of because Destiny was always a game that didn't need a sequel. It's always one of those games like... Like we didn't, we don't need a World of Warcraft two, you know. And that's how Destiny is. It's like we don't need a Destiny two. You could just keep making original Destiny a better game, and that's kind of what they're doing here. Is they're saying no strings attached to to Activision anymore. We can, we're free to do our own thing, and and we're we're telling you that you know what was in Destiny one is slowly making its way to Destiny two, and Destiny two is like the platform now. We don't we're not obligated to make any more games in this franchise. We're just gonna make this one game a living world, a games as a service thing where you. You can always rely on this specific game and I really appreciate that and always felt like that's what Destiny should have been and this whole event was about really driving that point home by saying hey guys we're not even just talking about what we're doing in Destiny over the next few months we're talking about what we're doing with Destiny over the next few years and I think if you're a Destiny fan this is really exciting information it's a really exciting time to be a part of this franchise and this community um, because it just shows that there's a there's a ton of Destiny content here for years to come, and that Bungie is super dedicated to making it the best it can be. And it's it's so obvious that it's so obvious that they they're excited about all the new possibilities um, that are available to them now that they're not you know tied down to that corporate partnership with Activision. Now, speaking of you know the c- kinds of new things they can do, this is potentially the biggest news uh, in, in a more general sense for general audiences. So, Destiny Two they announced will 
be, of course, coming to Xbox Series X and PS5, so you'll be able to play Destiny 2 and all your content you have with it on your Series X. If you've bought in previous expansion packs, it will be available on your Xbox Series X. If you have the game, all that stuff, um, it's just right there on your Series X. Also, it's upgraded. The game will run at 4K, 60 FPS on Xbox Series X, and they're also saying that the game will be cross-generational supported. So if you're playing on Xbox Series X, but your buddy's playing on Xbox One, you guys can still play Destiny 2 together. You'll still get 4K, 60 FPS, all the benefits of your Series X. You'll still be playing Destiny 2 on new hardware, but you'll still be able to play with your friends who are on older hardware um, on across the same, you know, platform, the Xbox platform. And they said, you know, same thing for PlayStation. PS4 players can play with PS5 players. And then they said, although cross-play, cross, cross play, uh, you know, PS4 to PS, uh, PS4 to Xbox and, and PC to P- Xbox and all that isn't supported quite yet. It's something they're aware of and they're working on and they hope to have available by next year. So that's something we can assume is in the works. So really exciting stuff for just even the most casual Destiny players that will be able to bust open the player base even more by keeping people intact regardless of the console they're on and the generation of console that they're playing on. So Really, really exciting. Um, the new expansion, the most imminent thing, is uh, Destiny Beyond Light, which comes out on September 22nd. It's up for pre-order now. But that was the gist of the live stream event, and I thought they did a really great job. It seems like the Destiny community, which is almost always down in the dumps, was actually pretty excited after this event. Um, so it's just it's exciting for me, just because I'm going through a Destiny phase right now. So it's fun to be like, oh, I'm in the mood for Destiny, and all this Destiny stuff is happening. So it just makes it really exciting. And uh, I'm sure many of you are excited as well, because... Destiny has a massive player base and is a very successful game. So statistically, some of you out there are interested in what I'm saying right now. So that is that for that first big story. And now we'll jump into some more general Xbox news that you probably probably appeals to slash uh, matters to more of you. So earlier this week, Twitter user WinCommunity posted screenshots of a new store app that is under development for the Xbox One, and it currently runs on Windows 10 while it's obviously in development. The project is titled Mercury and is presumably the new Xbox Store app that is going to be operating you know, independently of the Microsoft Store that currently exists on Xbox, and it will be, you know, and it'll be available for Xbox consoles like the Series X and the Xbox One. Uh, the new store looks pretty sleek and minimal, and it's uh, it's even sporting Microsoft's fluent design that they do now. Of course, the store will be more than just home to the latest Xbox One games because they got they're, they're building this for next generation too. So expect it to to be a Series X thing and which means, you know, probably everything about when it's launching. But there's no telling if the new store will make its way to Windows 10 PCs, because even though, of course, it's running on PC because that's where it's being built, at the moment, it's it's only has functionality and support for uh, key input and controller input. So perhaps Microsoft is planning just an initial launch for consoles and then thinking about moving it over to PC, depending on how it does, you know, how, it's, how well it's received. Um, but... That's all we know for now. Microsoft hasn't made any official announcements. Uh, Of course, it's safe to assume that Mercury will be at the very least available by the time the Series X comes out later this year. So yeah, I didn't I didn't realize until after the story broke just how many people really despise the Microsoft Store. I like the Microsoft Store. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it on my Xbox. I have no problem with it on my Windows 10 PC. I had no problem with it on Windows Phone. The only the only problem I've ever had with Win with the with the Microsoft Store is of course you know the lack of app support, which 
isn't necessarily Microsoft's fault. That's more of a too too little too late thing where, you know, everyone's out there supporting iOS and Android, but that's not really, that really doesn't affect the Microsoft store when it comes to Xbox and gaming. I don't know. People just seem to really not like it. Apparently, um, I have no problem using the Microsoft store, on my Xbox one. Uh, but apparently people are really excited about this one. So hopefully this uh, this turns things around and gets people excited about their shopping experience on Xbox. I guess the reason why I never had a problem with it is because on my PS4, it takes me like four hours to get the PlayStation Store even up and running on that thing. Whereas on my Xbox, if I want to go to the store and look at something or buy something, it takes like two seconds to get in there. But a lot of people complain that's a really sluggish experience, too many ads, it's kind of cumbersome to navigate. I mean, it's all subjective. So if that's your experience, that's totally valid. But I just never felt that was the case. I always assumed the reason why the store is like a little slow on my Xbox is because I use a day one Xbox one. I don't have a one X or anything like that. So I'm whatever. Uh, but this is awesome. If they can make this a lighter, easier experience and make it sleeker and slimmer and more navigable for everyone, then I think it's awesome that they're working on this. Uh, judging by the concept art we got uh, from the, from Win communities tweet, um, you see like on the left, there's like your tab of all your, of all your, uh, all, all your things, your search, your deals, your games, your new releases, all that stuff, your favorited, your shopping cart, all that's on the left. And then you basically just have like big ads for new game releases. And then it's pretty sleek and minimal. It's just only the bare essentials, the things you need to navigate in and find what you're looking for and not too much else. Kind of like, I guess what Nintendo did with the switch store, which is a bare bones minimalist uh, half-assed version of what of the of the eShop that we had on the Nintendo Wii U and the 3DS. Uh, so it's a similar kind of bare bones minimalist thing, although this looks a little more feature complete than the Nintendo Switch eShop, which is pretty much lacking every feature except scroll through endless lists of games. Um, but yeah, so that's a really interesting... This isn't too surprising to me that they would be working on a new store just for the fact that, you know... Even though the Xbox Series X, as we've seen, has a pretty similar appeal and look, you know, aesthetic kind of to this to the Xbox One generation, I guess this is a great opportunity to rework some things like your services and storefronts and all that. So that's not too surprising to me that they're working on this. What is surprising to me is that they would want to spin off the Xbox Store from the Microsoft Store because it just makes the Microsoft Store look even weaker and slimmer in terms of offerings. But maybe that's what they're intentionally doing because they think like. I don't know, the Xbox Xbox's potential, you know, store front looks weaker by being associated with the Microsoft store, which hasn't ever really successfully taken off the way Microsoft hoped it would. But, you know, Xbox having its own store operating on its own terms has more potential and to be successful uh, by comparison of like a PlayStation store or a Nintendo eShop or, or Steam even. And so that's, I assume, you know, the bigger thing here is that this is, this is a ploy to make Xbox's storefront more competitive with something like Epic Game Store or Steam. But what throws a wrench in that is that they're not really actively working on bringing it to PC. So what would be the answer then? Like if I want to download Halo Infinite on my Xbox Series X, I go to the Xbox Store. But if I want to download Halo Infinite on my PC, I go to the Microsoft Store instead of the Xbox Store. So I don't really understand why they're trying to splinter the user base here. I, I have to assume that this is something that they're planning on bringing to PC at some point because more so than just having a sleeker, faster system for you know your new console uh, with the Xbox Store, you would think this would be more so an opportunity to become more competitive with like Steam because obviously as Game Pass continues to grow and Xbox as a brand continues to get more you know favor from the gaming community, 
you want to use that as leverage and an opportunity to compete with the juggernaut here, which isn't PlayStation, it isn't Nintendo, it's Steam, it's 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 Valve because they make they make so much fucking money from Steam, and and if you could if you could get a fraction of what they're getting, you know, from an Xbox store, you'd be in such a great position. But obviously, Xbox as a brand has always struggled on PC because gamers you know just default to steam it was there before xbox was on pc and it and it it developed super fast and and became super robust and it became the de facto place to do gaming so i assume at the end of the day this is all a thing you want to have on pc but it seems like for the time being something they're working on for the home console for the xbox one and the series x i expect to hear more of an official announcement about this maybe in july or sometime when they talk about the Xbox Series X more in depth, um, or maybe this will be part of more like uh, maybe this is something that they won't even really get into too much. It'll just kind of be like how you expect a new UI when you buy a new piece of hardware. This will just be there, and maybe they'll detail it in an inside Xbox close to a launch or something. But it'll just kind of automatically be updated and added into the Xbox One at some point. So we're not done with all the new storefronts and Xbox console features there. We have another another one kind of going in, in tandem with that, uh, where sources have reported to Windows Central that a new version of Microsoft's Xbox companion app for iOS and Android is on the way, sporting Microsoft's fluent design and running faster, sleeker, and cleaner than the app that we've been using for the past generation. As of now, the new Xbox mobile app is, is an utterly bare-bones experience with missing interactivity and basic features. It has four sections as of right now, including your friends list with party chat, your personal profile, your gaming activity, uh, and your upload Xbox game clips and a home screen selection. And thus far, uh, it only shows off games that are popular with your current friends list. It looks like the app is losing several features from the existing app, including Xbox clubs and activity feed, but this could be added back at a later date, but they are now absent in, in its current beta form as well from the Xbox game bar on PC, making people wonder if Microsoft is gearing up to remove them entirely, which I really, really hope is not the case. Uh, but Microsoft is pushing users to download the new app on PC um, as it gets as it gears up uh, to remove the old Xbox companion app from Windows 10, of course. So again, no word if this app or, or when it's re- launching, but it's safe to assume, again, they're probably going to want to have this out uh, in time for the Series X. So I assume that both with this new app and with uh, this Xbox store, we will see both of these things by October, November-ish. So so not too long uh, at the very latest, uh, hopefully sooner, you know. This this makes me I'm I'm totally okay with this. I get it. They want Microsoft wants to use Fluent Design for all their programs and all their apps now. I get it. They want to have something that's a little faster and sleeker. I get it. I don't like the idea of losing these certain features because I think the I don't know, Xbox Clubs uh, and Activity Feed are features that I really appreciate and I kind of refuse to believe that those are features that Microsoft is considering cutting the cord on because First of all, they were introduced because they're, they're supposed to be competitive with what Steam offers, and Steam has, you know, like clubs and forums and activity feeds and things like that. And these are features that were added to Xbox a few years ago that I think are absolutely incredible. They absolutely belong here, and I'm actually in the process of using the Xbox Clubs feature to kind of match up with people to do like raids and stuff on Destiny. So I would be extremely remiss if this kind of stuff just, you know, just fell off and. And, and if we lost all this stuff, I, I can't imagine that these features aren't getting user activity um, and that Microsoft is thinking about cord cutting on them because 
these have just got to be these have just got to be useful features to the majority of people. I, I can't imagine that people aren't using the activity feed to like the same way they scroll around like Instagram and just look at stupidity. But more importantly, the Xbox Clubs feature where you can kind of match up with people and find people to play with and answer and ask questions and things like that. Um, I really, really hope those are features that we don't see cut away. I'm so tired of seeing Microsoft introduce good stuff and then take it away. Um, but I really don't think that's the case here. I think Windows Central is just kind of um, is conjecturing there. Um, I, I My guess is that they're starting with the bare minimum on the app and they're going to slowly add features back in. Another thing that worries me is I, I love the feature on the Xbox app where you can pull up the controller on your, on your phone's screen and control the Xbox from your phone. So like if you're not playing a game but you're using your Xbox to like watch Hulu or something, you can pull out your phone and use it as a controller to like navigate menus, select a show, adjust the volume all that stuff i use that stuff all the time that's one of my favorite features that's like actually my favorite feature about the xbox app so i would be so incredibly sad if the new xbox app didn't support that and didn't have that feature and in order for me to like switch shows on hulu and adjust the volume i'd have to leave the kitchen walk over to the living room grab the controller turn it on and switch like that especially when you're like cooking and you're like you have like your hands are getting dirty with shit and you're like ah, i don't want to touch my controllers you know i'm touching my phone because i clean my phone all the time we're touching our phones all the time anyway we're shitting with our phones in our hands clearly we don't care about the cleanliness of our phones but i don't want to be you know cooking and in the kitchen doing my thing and then having to touch my xbox controller so i hope these are features from the from the app from the currently existing app that microsoft sees as you know important and absolutely essential and doesn't drop but i am worried that these are things you know they don't make it in the first build just because they're working on adding features and then we just kind of never see them come back i'm really hoping that's not the case but i am excited to see what this app looks like uh how if it's faster if it's cleaner if it's easier that would be cool i agree the current xbox app is a little sluggish it always kind of ran like shit on my iphone but the past few months i've been using an android phone and it actually performs a lot better on my razor phone too so I mean, I guess it's a it's an OS difference and it's a phone difference. So it, it depends where you're using it. But I always thought the Xbox app worked great on my Android phone. And it worked pretty good on Windows phone back in the day. So hopefully they'll be able to create something significantly better that doesn't compromise rather than just something faster, sleeker, and cleaner that's missing half the functionality because I'd rather have a sluggish, shittier experience with all the features than a uh, fast, clean experience that doesn't offer anything I'm looking for. So all of that, hopefully all good news, but exciting stuff to look forward to in the future. Our next story here, as, as we continue our theme of talking about all my favorite shit, which is Xbox the brand, Halo the, fran- the video game franchise, and Destiny the video game franchise, and the shooty games, and all the stuff I like, we keep going with that news so our next one here is that are are you looking forward to halo infinite later this year well of course who isn't now you can now you can add to the hunger as it appears that developer 343 industries is planning another new video game set in our beloved halo universe according to a job posting on the microsoft careers website 343 is hiring for a senior producer to work on core service to work on a core services team to help develop a new project in the halo universe While it's highly unlikely that this post is referring to the next main entry in the series, with Halo Infinite not even being, you know, shown to the public properly yet, it is highly plausible that 343 and the powers that be over at Microsoft are planning a new spinoff in the greatest sci-fi franchise of all time. With Halo Wars 2 having been something of a commercial dud, and with the franchise overall not having the same mass appeal that it did over a decade ago, it will be interesting to see what creative directions we see the Halo universe go. So... 
this story was super exciting. Uh, I guess you always kind of assume that 343 and Microsoft are, are thinking about the Halo universe in different ways and how they can make different games with it because I obviously Halo is the premier franchise uh, for Xbox. But also, I guess I wasn't expecting any kind of spinoffs in the, in the near future because... I know after Halo 5 in the Master Chief Collection, kind of having the controversies they had, the, the mentality has been kind of let's lay low, let's take all the time we need and really get Halo right because we cannot afford to mismanage this property and to disappoint people with this property because it is it is Xbox. You know, Master Chief is just as much Xbox as your controller is, as your, as your actual console is. It's just the two are so synonymous. It's like having Nintendo without Mario. You just got to have... Halo being the premier franchise, so I I thought that we were just kind of done with Halo spinoffs for the near for the for the foreseeable future, while they really just buckle down on getting the main franchise back to like king status. Not that I think Halo Five wasn't a fantastic game, I do, but apparently a lot of a lot of a lot of you noobs don't think so, and that's why we're in this predicament. But all joking aside, this is super exciting to think that three four three is working on another spinoff game probably means they're working with another studio for that. I can't imagine 343 single-handedly working on Halo Infinite, whatever's after Halo Infinite, and the spin-off title. Um, so they're probably, you know, like like with the Halo Wars franchise where they worked with, you know, Creative Assembly and Ensemble Studios, this is another thing where they're probably going to work with another studio or spin-off a B-team to kind of work on this project. Now, obviously, the fun of this, of this story since, you know, we know so little, is that now we get to speculate about what kind of spinoff franchise they would be working on. So as I as I put in the notes here, I don't think there's a chance in hell they're working on a Halo Wars 3. I know a lot of people's first reaction was like, oh my god, we're getting to Halo Wars 3. Listen, I would love for there to be Halo Wars, or Halo Wars 3. I know Halo Wars 2 ends on a cliffhanger and kind of sets, you know, it ties it into Halo 5 and builds up to something grander. And I would love to see that story continue. But I think whatever happens in Halo Wars 2 is going to tie into Halo Infinite. And I think Halo Wars is not getting another sequel because the game just didn't do that well. In fact, I think whatever they're doing next for a Halo spinoff, I think is going to be a little more traditional, at least in the sense of, it's going to be first person or more like within a genre that has more mass appeal. So maybe it is third person, maybe it's first person, but it's going to be something more appealing to general audiences, unlike an RTS, which is generally more of a niche genre uh, of a game. So maybe, I don't know, a lot of people say they want... The two things I think, you know, other than Halo Wars, the continuation of the Halo Wars franchise, I think the two things you hear people say they want the most in the Halo universe uh, as a spinoff would be either A, a stealth action game, so like something a little more like ODST, but with a, a big emphasis on stealth and tactics, so I think that would be awesome, or a horror game like a or like a survival horde mode game or a survival horror game kind of like uh, like all with with the protagonist being the flood I, I really like the idea of like building out and fully fleshing out like a, a just a generic UNSC marine character and having him you know you know have like this uh this story about like first contact with the flood and all of that and just kind of have it be this this horror game where you know it's about resource management and escaping and, and you know things like that where you just are severely underpowered to the flood and you're just trying to survive and get out i think that would be a super cool premise for a game you could you can imagine like a unsc ship set adrift uh with like a small crew uh and then it gets like the ship gets boarded 
by you know the flood and it's about like their fight for survival that'd be a fucking awesome game or you can think about like i don't know a stealth action game where you play as like an odst or something like that uh i whatever the case may be yeah those are undoubtedly probably two of the most popular opinions on like where this franchise should go for spinoffs and i totally back both of those and I totally back a Halo Wars 3, even though I don't think it's going to happen. But I think they can go with something even a little more lighthearted. Remember that Mega Bloks, like almost like Lego style Halo game that we have the footage of, that canceled game? I think they can make something of that ilk, you know, and kind of appeal to a younger generation, try to get younger players interested in Halo and, and introduce them to this this franchise that now kind of resonates with an older audience than, than it used to. Or maybe try something entirely new. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine because I'm still kind of of the mind mindset that Halo Infinite is going to ditch the traditional more linear level by level layout of a traditional Halo game and in, in, in favor go for a kind of Breath of the Wild twist to the Halo franchise where we're going to see it be an open world game where you're on this one Halo ring and you're just kind of taking quests and missions and and roaming this open halo ring planet where you know that's the game so it's hard for me to imagine that maybe what the spin-off game is is like a halo game set in an open world but also you know there's there's the part of me that always wanted to know more about uh Locke's Locke's story it really made me sad with halo 5 i know people really are disappointed with the story in Halo 5, and I know people really blindly hate Spartan Locke, but that always disappointed me, because I don't think Spartan Locke's a bad character. I think he's just underutilized, and I, I always thought Spartan Locke had, first of all, I think he has some of the coolest armor of any Spartan in the Halo universe, and I just think that's un- undeniable. I still love my my Halo 5 uh, Spartan Locke controller, but I also think it'd just be so cool to give him his own spinoff game, and be like, listen, Locke, we got to keep you out of the main game. People p- cried too much when when they weren't playing as Master Chief, so we got to give you your own game. And then do kind of like a like a more traditional Halo game. You know, if Halo Infinite is going to kind of evolve the franchise and make Halo more of an open world experience, then make a spinoff game where you play as Locke and get his story but have it play more like a traditional like Halo 3, Halo 4, Halo 5 game where it's more like level based because I think that'd be cool. That way you're still giving people the classic Halo they they know and love uh, with that spinoff game, but you're also evolving the franchise and pushing it forward with the main line games, which is, you know, your Master Chief games, uh, which kind of take the Zelda approach of saying, okay, it's not enough to be what Halo was 10 years ago. Now we got to make Halo new again, you know, familiar, but new. And, and so... I don't know. I think I think that's a possibility. If Halo Infinite is to be this kind of evolution on the on the Halo formula where it's open world and, and quest taking, there's RPG elements to it. If it's like a Zelda Breath of the Wild or like a Elder Scrolls or Skyrim, but for Halo, then I think you can still give people their classic Halo fix by making a spinoff about someone like Locke. Hell, make a spinoff about about Jerome from uh from from Halo Wars Two. I don't give a shit. Find a cool Spartan, Spartan make one about. Palmer, make one about, I don't give a shit, make one about Blue Team. How cool would it be if they made a fucking Halo spinoff game about uh, Fire Team, Blue, or about Blue Team? Like, that'd be so cool. Like, it's like all based on um on the first Halo novel, and you can have like Linda and Fred and Kelly and John and everyone and just like, and have them go out and do their own missions and kind of their own, their own, I don't know, have it set in like in a time where Master Chief was younger and when he was like a newer Spartan and like learning to work together kind of during the events of, of Halo, uh, the fall of reach. I just think that'd be such a cool game. It could be like, I mean, I guess this one's more unlikely just because it would be kind of treading ground of what Halo five attempted to do, but like a squad based tactical 
kind of uh, a Halo game where you play as like a younger Master Chief before he knew Cortana and and you know Blue Team and just kind of their their encounter with uh, you know their UNSC training and all that. I think that that could be such a cool game. Uh, that and that'd be such a great way for them to oper- to inter- introduce you know classic Covenant characters again um, while also while also like I don't know fuck maybe you fight like ODST or something like that. I don't know. It'd be so cool. You get that that scene where Master Chief is in the gym and he uh, and he like kills those that that crew of ODSTs that that come and fight him. I, I want to play that in a video game. Fuck it. But I don't know. There's so many ways they could take this game. Uh, they could do something like what Gears Tactics did. I think that's a little too much like treading familiar territory because they already have Halo Wars. But um, I don't know. There's so many directions in which they can take this. I can't even begin to imagine it. But it's really fun to fantasize about and, 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 and just, uh, I don't know, just kind of think about because Halo is an amazing franchise. And I think there are endless possibilities with what you could do with it. Um, speaking of endless possibilities, I think the best Halo you could possibly make would be a Halo Sonic the Hedgehog crossover where it's basically the Halo universe, but the gameplay of Sonic where you run super fast and you got a boost. I think a Master Chief that just has the need for speed would be totally cool, and I'd play the hell out of that game. Maybe it's a Halo kart racer. That would also be really badass. I like to do some Warthog uh, kart racing, so that'd actually be awesome. That'd be a really fun, like, little kitty knockoff spinoff game, whatever. Um, but that's, that's, that is it that, for that story. We'll put a pin in that for now. Hopefully we will hear more about that in the coming months or years. I obviously we won't see a reveal for whatever that game becomes for probably a while to come. So we can just keep, uh, uh, our hopes up and, and just be excited knowing that there is indeed more Halo spinoff stuff in the works. Hopefully it's not another twin stick shooter, uh, like those, like those twin stick games they made for windows phone and, uh, Xbox they were just okay, but I don't. We don't need that. Our next story here comes from IGN, and it is that references to the Xbox Lockhart, the rumored second console to the Xbox Series, uh, have been found uh, in the operating in the Windows operating system libraries. Images images from the operating system's code were tweeted by security researchers Title OS, which includes five references to the Lockhart codename found within several of Windows 30, System 32 library files. They included files specifically featuring the phrase Xbox Lockhart, as well as Xbox Anaconda, the codename for the Series X. Uh, the Xbox Lockhart is to, believed to be the lower-powered, lower-priced and alternative to the Series X, with rumors suggesting that it may retail for it may retail under the same name uh, of the Xbox Series S, uh, but no official announcements have been made by Microsoft. Uh, but still, Windows Central has said that they have spoken with developers who have been targeting the console. So it's a thing. It's it's a ba- it's a poorly kept secret at this point. We know Xbox Series X, Xbox Lockhart, whatever we want to call it, is a thing. We're just waiting for Microsoft to say something. I get it. They want to focus on the big, flashy one. I think what they're waiting to do is go all out on the Series X have Sony spill the beans about PlayStation 5 and then kind of cap them. You know, they're trying to make it, they're trying to sandwich PlayStation in, you know, come out with the big guns and then let Sony come out and be somewhere just under where Microsoft is on the Series X and then kind of hit them from behind with a lower, lower power, lower price alternative. So you got PlayStation 5, which is kind of expensive and pretty powerful, but not as powerful as Series X. And then you got Series X, which is more expensive than PlayStation 5, more powerful than PlayStation 5, but if that's too intimidating for you, you also got Series S, which is less slightly less powerful than PS5 and Xbox Series X, but way but cheaper than both of them. So that way it makes Xbox enticing no matter which, you know, 
which side of the fence you're on, and then it puts PlayStation squarely in the middle, making it hard for people to decide, you know, is PlayStation 5 right for me? But with Xbox, I have two options that make it easier, you know, if I'm on a, a smaller budget or if I favor the most power. I just think it gives Xbox that advantage of saying, hey, if you're looking for the most powerful thing, that's us. Hey, if you're looking for the affordable thing and just a way to get your foot in the door and play some next gen, that's us too. And that and it leaves PlayStation being kind of vulnerable where they're like, well, we're not the cheapest one out there and we're not the most powerful one out there and we're not the easiest one, like easiest entry level one for you to get your hands on out there. You know, they're just kind of stuck in the middle. I think that's the strategy, obviously, with the with the one two punch of the Series X and the Series S. But I think we're Microsoft is very specifically waiting for PlayStation to spill the beans on the PS5 finally and uh, for us to get our final look at the Series X before kind of jumping in to kind of keep the messaging uh, coherent for everyone to understand that there are two boxes and what the two things are offer and what they are and everything. So uh, all in good timing, my, my children, you know, at least you might be saying, you know, they still haven't shown the, the lock at this point. Like wh- how long can you wait? Well, guess what? PlayStation hasn't even shown you the PS five yet. So, you know, at least Xbox has shown you most of what they're working on for their next console. So hold your horses, kids. It's exciting stuff. And of course, all this will sound super outdated in a few hours because We'll probably have seen PS5 by the time you're listening to the show. But our next story here, uh, come back to IGN, says, Back in 2012, a studio by the name of 38 Studios released Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning on the Xbox 360. The game was unlike any other and featured lore written by New York Times bestseller author R.A. Salvatore. Despite being an unknown studio, EA picked up the game and released it to pretty solid commercial and critical success. Unfortunately, however, this would be the end of both Kingdoms of Amalur and 38 Studios. The studio was founded by ex-Boston Red Sox MLB pitcher Kurt Schilling and paid for with a loan from the state of Rhode Island for like something like $75 million. The studio fell into some serious financial trouble uh, and became defunct just months after the game launched. Many thought that that was the end of the beloved game one and done franchise, uh, but but then THQ Nordic came along and, and bought them up and bought up all the AA video game IP known to mankind. So uh, with that said, I'm proud to relay that on behalf of all the salty Kingdom of Amalur fans out there that on August 18, 2020, THQ Nordic will re- will release uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning for Xbox One. The remaster will feature all of the game's DLC and feature improved graphic fidelity. So this is uh, one of those like out-of-nowhere ones. It first appeared kind of... It kind of got leaked by appearing on an Xbox uh, online store, and then and then THQ came out and, and confirmed it, but pu- but pushed the date back by like a week. I don't know if they did that just to like have you know have some control over the announcement, but whatever. This is really exciting because I know Kingdoms of Amalur is one of those games where it's like people who played it really loved it and really I don't know it was just it was a really exciting game for a lot of people, um, but not enough people played it or remember it, I suppose. But it's one of those things where the studio, it's its one of the most famous stories in kind of modern gaming history where the studio was just a really unlike pairing of like these ex Bethesda people. And you got uh, Kurt Schilling, who was a famous major league baseball player, uh pitcher for the, for the Boston Red Sox who started a video game story and wanted to make like this nerdy RPG, like, um, like fan, like medieval fantasy game. Um, and people said it was amazing. People loved the lore. They loved the story of the game. They loved the gameplay. It wasn't a perfect game. It did have some performance issues and things like that. But people were really high on this game when it came out. But unfortunately, there's like the whole story of like how 
Kurt, uh, Kurt Schilling's like basically lost everything when the studio went under. Basically they just, uh, funds were kind of mismanaged and, and, and not properly handled. And basically by the time the game came out, they were so depleted and they couldn't pay back their loan. And basically they just went bankrupt before they could really even reap the rewards and the benefits of, of the games post launch. So it's really kind of a, a tragic story just for everyone who put their hands on this game and really put their all into it. And they had plans to make this a franchise with, ex- with future titles and expanded lore. It was supposed to be a whole thing, but it just kind of, it came out. It was just such an unlike story to how this game came to be. And then it was just gone. And, uh, it's really exciting. That's coming back. I'm still not going to play it. This is just not my kind of game, but I am actually genuinely excited for fans of this game, that they have the opportunity to play it again, that this game can get into the hands of more players. And that, uh, this game just, you know, has an opportunity to have new life breathe into it. And of course, you know, every, this is, this is what THQ Nordic does. They find the games that you didn't, the games you didn't play before, the games that you, you maybe should have given a try last generation, and they and they bring those games back. They're not re-releasing a game from five years ago or a game you don't need to play for a million times. They're not Bioshock collectioning their games. They're, they're bringing back games that need to come back, like uh, Destroy All Humans and things like that. So that's uh, that's where we are with this. So pretty exciting stuff. I know people were like kind of losing their minds over this. They were so excited and I'm just really happy on behalf of that fan base that this is happening, but really unfortunate for the studio, of course, originally behind this game, but glad the game can, can reach a new audience and find new life in 2020. And our last story for the week is that Bungie has a new posting on their website, uh, looking for an incubation art director, uh, with, which inquires the post inquires about, um, about applicants looking for, um, to work on something comedic and lighthearted and whimsical. Um, this certainly does not sound like anything Bungie has ever worked on before, anything we're familiar with from them. But according to IGN, uh, other job listings help further illustrate the direction of Bungie's new IP. A position for incubation investment designers uh, designer uh, reveals that the game will have a, quote, wide variety of pursuit and loot systems uh, and notes that the role requires experience in fundamental RPG systems indicating that we can once again expect this game to build on RPG principles which we've seen Bungie work on with Destiny Uh, and they say quote you will work in tandem with our sandbox and economy teams to build and distribute items to our players uh, explains the listing which suggests uh, open world design the position of the incubation senior slash lead combat designer also indicates that that weapons, armors, and abilities will be core components to the game's combat encounters. So this sounds like a ridiculous amount like Destiny. It's it, like they talk about it being like comedic and fun and lighthearted, which is nothing like Destiny. But then they talk about it being like focused on loot and weapons and gear and armor abilities and open world and RPG elements. I'm like, you're describing Destiny right now. So it's really weird that they're kind of describing making another Destiny, but also a new franchise, which is just an interesting thing but um for those who don't remember Bungie announced last year that they're working on a new franchise that might come to market by sometime in like 2025 the company also filed a trademark for a project called Matter back in 2018 and around the same time they entered the partnership with Chinese publisher NetEase worth a hundred million dollars that allowed Bungie to explore new directions and kind of start uh, sowing sowing their oats and, and, and doing other things so this is this is important news this is um I mean, Bungie's obviously working on something new other than Destiny, which is crazy to think about. This is, again, leading, uh, giving further credence to my argument that Destiny 2 is the end of the road. They're not making it a Destiny 3. They're going to support Destiny 2 for the foreseeable future. That is that is Destiny. You know, If they had their way, there wouldn't be sequels. It would just be Destiny, the one game, the one platform, going on 
in, in, in perpetuity, you know. But here we have them talking about another game they're working on, which sounds a lot like Destiny, which I guess isn't that crazy of a thought. It's like there are other examples that none that come to mind right this second, though, of like studios that like make to, I don't know, you, it's kind of like the Bethesda equivalency, right? Where like Bethesda makes like Elder Scrolls and Fallout. And maybe this is Bungie's way of saying like, hey, we want to do a similar thing where we have like our sci-fi space shared open world shooter game and also our comedic, I don't know, funny, lighthearted, whatever open world shared shooter universe. So maybe this is like kind of like Destiny, but for a different market, you know, with a different lore and different story and different world to kind of appeal to a different market, kind of the way that Elder Scrolls and Fallout are both kind of similar games that catered to different markets depending on what world you'd rather explore and live in um it's 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 really hard to imagine because that sounds like a big project you know we assume that the game is being called matter based on the trademark for that game and the little website logo they have for matter which is like the word matter with like paint splash it's colorful and fun which i guess lends credence to the whole fun lighthearted, and comedic tone they're going for but i don't know it's just it's just weird to think that destiny or that Bungie somehow has the manpower to create a second game of the caliber and scope and scale of a game like Destiny and maintain both properties? Does this mean that this game will eventually replace Destiny? Does this mean that this game will be smaller than Destiny, that I'm overanalyzing, you know, these elements and how close they relate to a game like Destiny? It's it's hard to tell. Um, but I, I was under the impression that when Bungie said they were working on a new franchise, that they were talking about like a mobile game or like uh, something a little like more one and done. But I guess when you're a company like Bungie, it doesn't really make sense to go back to the kind of Halo days of making a, a single like one and done game where it's like you buy it once, you play it, and that's that. They they make so much money and they've built their brand these days off the games as a service reoccurring kind of experience and maybe that's where their bread and butter lies and they're going to continue to explore that avenue which would make sense they are they they were the first to really pioneer that looter shooter genre so to speak and i argue that they still do it better than anyone else i, I know i played i played the anthem recently for the first time and I, and I said i agree with you guys it's the game got a bad rap in that it's it's better than people gave it credit for but i still don't think anthem is anything close to what destiny is i still think destiny is leaps and bounds better than anthem and i i've never played the division i'm sure it's great but let, let's be honest destiny is the premier looter shooter shared, shared open world shooter whatever you want to call that kind of genre so it's just i mean i guess who better than to continue to explore this 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 ecosystem and this genre than than the ones who've done it most successfully so far which is bungie but also how do you support how do you maintain and support destiny when you're building another thing of similar scale and scope and bungie is a huge company now you know they're way bigger today than they were back in like the halo two days you know but that being said it's still these games are a massive undertaking and if you don't believe me just remember you know when activision was still in the picture with destiny they were lending support studios that worked on call of duty to bungie to help them with with destiny development you know they had Beanoxes and and, and and neversoft and those kinds of companies that are support studios on call of duty aiding uh bungie in in destiny 2 development so 
the, these projects are massive and there's a lot of work that goes into them. And I just don't see how Bungie has the manpower to make this work. But then again, they got a hundred million dollars from Netties, So maybe that's how they, <laughs> that's how they managed to find the money and the power, the manpower to make this happen. So it'll be really interesting to see how this story continues to evolve. But yeah, as someone who was like firmly believing that Des- that Bungie's new second, whatever their new IP was they're talking about. As someone who firmly believes that it was a mobile game franchise they were working on, I'm now extremely interested to figure out what this is because I'm starting to think they're talking about another like AAA console game. So we will have to see where that takes us. And that's going to do it for all of our news for the week. We will now jump through our our, tid- our tiny tidbit stories, our, our important news that is st- stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. And we have a handful of them, so we'll just we'll just spit them out. Actually, a lot more than usual. But we've got uh, EA has announced that its EA Play Live showcase has been delayed from June 11th to June 18th at, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. EA has announced the decision alongside a message which states, quote, with the important conversations taking place and the and important voices being heard around the world right now, we're moving our time to come together in play. Pretty understandable delay, although that's still the day where PlayStation's going to go. Um, so, yeah. But our next one here is that Criterion Games, Criterion Games General Manager uh, Matt Webster posted a letter on EA's official website explaining that after an update coming to the game uh, later on June 9th, Need for Speed Heat will be the first EA title to ever feature cross-play across PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So that is available now if you are a Need for Speed Heat player looking to play with someone on another platform. And then we got Windows Central reports that Jordan Denton, who uh, worked as an associate sound designer on The Last of Us Part Two, has announced that she... Uh, she is joining Xbox Game Studios Obsidian Entertainment as an audio designer. So that's a that's some nice talent. She's like an award winning sound designer, or or rather, her work has been award winning. So that's pretty impressive, right there. And then we got I- Ikumi Nakamura has revealed that she has planned uh, a pitch to for a new Okami game to Capcom while answering fan questions during an interview with IGN Japan. Nakamura revealed that the new Okami game is quote a project that she wants to make a reality the most, end quote. Nakamura told IGN Japan that she thinks the chances that the project becomes a reality are pretty high after uh, this quarantine lifts. She's planning to make a visit to Capcom to propose the idea. That would be exciting. We haven't seen a Kami game in quite a while. And then we got IGN revealed during their summer of play that Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX an updated version of the classic 1986 platformer is coming to Xbox and PC uh, later this year. I, IGN also revealed that medieval combat game Chivalry 2 will be coming to PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, and Xbox One, as well as PC, and will feature cross-play compatibility. IGN also revealed that Metal Hellslinger, a rhythm FPS game, is coming to PC, Xbox, uh, Series X, and One in 2021. IGN also revealed that Pathfinder Kingmaker Definitive Edition, the 2018 RPG inspired by the likes of Boulder's Gate and the original Fallout games, is coming to PS4 Xbox One on August 18th. IGN also revealed that Demon Turf, a 3D platformer with 2D elements, is coming to PC via the Epic Games Store and Steam, Xbox Series X, and Nintendo Switch. This game looks really cool. I highly recommend you check it out. That game looks, like, awesome. And lastly... 
but not lastly, developer Slightly Mad Studios is back in the driver's seat for after a surprise announcement that Project Cars 3, the next game in the popular racing series, will be on Xbox One later this summer. And next we've got that uh, we've got a handful of new games coming to Game Pass this month. We've got A Bard's Tale, uh, or The Bard's Tale on June 18th. We've got Battlefleet Gothic Armada on June 11th. Uh, Battletech on June 11th. Dungeons of the Endless on June 11th. Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and 2.5 Remix Console Edition on June 11th. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue on June 11th. No Man's Sky on June 11th. And Thronebreaker on June 18th. And then our final one for real is that Microsoft has announced that Hellblade Senua's Saga 2, or Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 rather, is being built on Unreal Engine 5 for the Xbox Series X. So if you thought that PlayStation demo was the first time we saw Unreal Engine 5, we saw it already on the Hellblade 2 reveal. So cool stuff. Now, normally this is the part of the show where I would do the uh, new games coming to Xbox, where I would, you know where I would talk about the new games coming out this week on Xbox and explain them solely based on a screenshot out of context rather than a description of what the game actually is. But unfortunately, Xbox Wire didn't post a drop this week. Maybe I just didn't see it, but I checked continuously multiple times and just did not find it. So I guess they didn't post one this week, which is unusual. But hey, if you need to know what's coming out this this week, Destiny 2 Season of the Arrivals is out now and Disintegration comes out next Tuesday, which is that like uh, FPS hybrid um RTS game where it's it's made by Marcus Leto and his new uh dis- his new team, the the guys, some ex-talent from the Halo and Destiny franchise. So so in that thread of Halo and Destiny this whole week together, Disintegration comes out Tuesday. It's already beginning some pretty middling reviews, but I am very excited for the game nonetheless and will absolutely play it. So I don't really give a shit what people say about it. Um, I cannot wait to experience it for myself, and I hope you're looking forward to it as well if if, if it's something that is, speaks to you. Yeah, so unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that segment this week. I apologize. I don't like to leave that segment out, but apparently Xbox... Uh, isn't putting a post up probably pretty likely that the reason why the Xbox wire didn't put up a post for this week's game launches is because someone at Xbox is listening to this podcast and they don't like the way I, I they don't like the way I disrespect these games and they want to show respect to our fellow developers by not putting their names out there and not putting their games out for the public to see. So I guess I single-handedly took down the Xbox wire uh, new games drop, um, but also Probably not. I'm not that. I'm not that special. But a reminder for you: we can do our games with gold for the month of June. You have Shantae and the Pirates Curse for the rest of the month. You've got Coffee Talk from June 16th to July 15th. You've got Destroy All Humans, the original, the Xbox original, uh, until the 15th of this month. And then you've got Sin Mora or Sign Mora, whatever, from June 16th to the 30th. And that is your 360 game. So. A little bit of every generation. You got an OG game, a 360 game, and two Xbox One games. So that is going to do it for all of our uh, information, our new information for this week on Xbox On. I appreciate you guys listening as always. I really appreciate all the feedback. It's really exciting doing this podcast now, knowing that you know people are actually going to leave comments and respond. Uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate that, guys. Remember to leave five-star reviews on iTunes, five stars exclusively. I don't care if you enjoy the show and you think it's a three-star review because there's room for improvement. I don't care if you enjoy the show and you think it's a four-star review where there's just one thing you would have changed that would have made it five stars. I don't care. Whatever your thoughts and feelings are to the, to the show, 
just leave five stars. I, I want your blind praise. Do not want your constructive feedback and do not want your honest, uh, I do not want the honest truth. I just want five stars. So please go ahead, leave five stars. If you know someone, if you live in a house with someone else who owns a smartphone and has an iTunes account or, or a Spotify account or whatever it is you use to review podcasts, go ahead, steal their phone, log into their account and leave me a five-star review from their account. I don't care about people's honest opinions. I just want to pad my numbers. So go ahead, pad my numbers, subscribe to the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we'll hear back from you with some thoughtful questions this week and we'll be able to answer them on next week's show. But that is going to do it for this, 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 this adventure and Xbox. I'm going to edit the show, upload it, pass out, go to work, try to get through the day and then come home and play destiny two like a, like a, like a, like a guy who really enjoys playing destiny two. Eric, feel free to take it away from here with, with a rehash of one of your old songs, since you still haven't given me those new songs that you, you told me about so many times before. Mm-hmm.